Welcome to the Mortcast, brought to you by Blake Street Tavern, the big house on Blake. Also, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Moisee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. You can go there and get some of that red Zinfandel that's been finished in whiskey barrels from Deviation Distillers, who were also in the dairy block. Um, I highly suggest you take that out. Um, that I had a bottle of that, I think in November, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was uh, a nice, uh, different uh, kind of uh, taste. Um, I would say that Zins kind of have a sharpness to them, and the whiskey actually kind of, uh, uh, I would say, kind of dulled the edges of it. Um, one thing to know about the those whiskey uh, finished, whiskey barrel finished uh, wines is that they do have more alcohol than your traditional uh, wine. So you're looking at anywhere between 13 to 15% alcohol by volume in uh, a, a, your normal wine bottle. And this is probably upwards to closer to 20%. So keep that in mind. Uh, but they also got that 2017 Cabernet. Uh, they also got that uh, Blake Street blend and all manner of whites and rosés and uh, and if you go down there, they got whiskey, co- I mean, excuse me, uh, wine cocktails that are all, all, you know, really great for you. Okay, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Boise in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, I had something initially planned for this podcast, um, and I've tried to record it like three times this last week. And I had made the decision to um, (laughs) take the week off um, because it's the holidays and just kind of, you know, uh, reset during the... um, uh, the next day, uh, the first week of January, you know, um, I'm not on a strict schedule as you guys know. Um, but, and then I just can't, I try, I try to get two a week. I try to get two a week unless I'm doing interviews in which case there could be more. Uh, but you know, I, I just decided to get this one out here. The Nuggets, uh, have won two in a row. They beat the Warriors last night, uh, despite scoring 29 points in, <laughs> in the second half. And, uh, I, I, what I want to mention here is something that I think we need to keep an eye on going forward. And it is something that I don't think that we, you know, pay too much attention to normally. But, you know, I've talked about Michael Malone and his moods, and I'm not going to go into that. Uh, We all know that when he relaxes this team, uh, fares better. I mean, that's just 100% obvious. Um, but there's other mechanics involved in this scenario. Um, what we've been seeing the last couple of games is uh, Aaron Gordon hasn't been out, so really they've been re- they've been relying on uh, Davion Reed to pick up some of that stopper um, slack. Um, and last night the Nuggets beat the Warriors largely defensively, um, both Aust- Austin Rivers and uh, Reed. And Flacco Composite really stepped up on Steph Curry. He had Steph Curry had twenty three points last night and uh, on horrible shooting, and um, the Nuggets really did a good job of bothering him. And it was full rest for 
the, the Warriors. Obviously, they were missing Clay, who they've been missing all year, kind of like the Nuggets with Jamal. Missing Draymond uh, and Jordan Poole. Obviously, Poole would have helped out against Jokic. They play again tonight. Um, so, I mean, there there is a or do they play tonight or do they play tomorrow? Well, anyway, um, but we kind of need to talk about the the specter of a healthy Nuggets team and kind of apply that to the nexus of what the next. A uh, month and a half are going to look like. Um, the trade deadline is mid-February. Um, obviously, everyone's dealing with COVID right now. With the way this Omicron variant uh, spreads, will hit probably a crazy peak in the first week or so of January, and then it will dramatically fall off. Um, that's just the way this thing behaves in every place that it's hit. It's going through the United States right now. Luckily, uh, it's appearing, I'm not an epidemiologist, but it appears to be mild. If you're boosted, you have even better chance of, like, if you get hit, it's either going to be asymptomatic or you're going to have cold symptoms. So get boosted, folks. Um, But uh, the NBA players have been cycling through this misery like the rest of us. I mean, everyone in the entire world is in the same boat. So I don't have special sympathy for coaches or players in the NBA. Everyone has to deal with this. And uh, quite frankly, not every person on the planet has their health insurance um, or their health advantages that they have. So it is what it is. Everyone is in the same boat. We're all muddling through. And Hopefully, once we get past the other end of Omicron, things will look a lot different in society. Fingers crossed. But that has affected a lot of different things in the NBA. Um, Notice today there was some news that uh, uh, Kenneth Fareed has signed with the Grand Rapids Gold. Good for Kenneth. Um, I know Kenneth very well. Covered him for years. Um, I don't anticipate him making a reappearance on the Nuggets, but I do think this is a way for him to get back into the league. And this has really been a way for a lot of different people to get back into the league. Um, and, and one side benefit of, of you know, what has gone down and the need for bodies is, quite, you know, quite frankly, it's allowed some people who were out, like, you know, Stevenson, Nick Stauskas, these guys that uh, have been you know, nominally out of the league, being able to get opportunities back in there because, you know, people are getting ravaged. Sometimes uh, a misfortune can open some doors, and for as long as it lasts, you know, it's going to work. And, um, you know, Kenneth Fareed is on that list, and I kind of hope Ty Lawson gets another chance. Um, There is a there's just a, a need for that right now, and we hope it's. An, we wished it was un, under better circumstances, but like I said, if, if we're going to look for a silver lining, these guys who have been out of the league may be getting another, a fresh look and, and a new chance. Um, but as we approach the trade deadline, it's going to be really weird. The big uh, fish hanging out there is Ben Simmons. I think uh, what we have seen is that Ben Simmons matters tremendously, specifically to Philadelphia. And that dynamic is something that I know for a fact a lot of people in the league have talked about. How um, Simmons positively affects this Sixers team in a way that he may not on other rosters. So that has, that has gone into a lot of the league thinking, as far as I know, with Ben Simmons, is that 
when people say, and people in Philadelphia say that they will be better with Ben Simmons, it is not inaccurate. Um, people focus on the obviously the Atlanta series, but quite frankly, uh, he lifts their ceiling tremendously. A lot like Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. do with the Denver Nuggets. So coming circling back to the Nuggets, which I will talk about more about the rest of this season, uh, more on the second half of the podcast, but I'm going to kind of mention them in the sense that I don't know if there is are moves they can make to uh, bolster them as they are now, because quite frankly, it's just health. Um, Michael Porter Jr. can't even be traded until the offseason. Neither can Aaron Gordon. Um, the Nuggets, that, and if we're talking about raw assets, and, and, and you all know that I hate that term, hate the term assets. Uh, when we're talking about uh, that sort of thing, it's just the Nuggets are kind of, kind of you know, in a, a purgatory <laughs> because they can't really have many big moves. A lot of the guys, considering they're a contending team, a lot of the guys in the roster are, are, are small minimum contracts. Um, the biggest uh, asset they got is Will Barton, and he's coming in at 14, I think. Um, and Jeff Green and Jermichael Green and all those guys, you know, $8 million, $5 million. Uh, Austin Rivers is on the vet minimum. I mean, it's it, for one year. It's, it is a... It is a situation where people need to understand where the Nuggets are at as far as things that they can trade. Um, but the rest of the league, I think that's going to be kind of in a state of arrested development until there's a resolution, whether Simmons stays in Philadelphia or whether he uh, gets traded. Uh, no one's going to move. And people have kind of chalked that up to Omicron. I mean, quite honest with you, this is, every, as I pointed out before, everyone is in the same boat. Everyone in the league is in the same it's not a situation where you look at it and say this guy's injured injuries are quite different and what's hurting the Denver Nuggets is injuries um, there are a couple other teams that injuries are specifically are, are hurting them right now and it is hard to um, get to a point where you can assess what will be out there on the market because there are some things that could be moved that can't be moved and all that stuff so um, that part aside We'll be talking more and more about that through January and into the first part of February next year, uh, which we're coming up on in a few days. Um, but on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk about the Denver Nuggets and where I see them going um, through the rest of this year. They play, they play the, the Warriors again, and uh, we'll see how they test up against that. And I kind of want to go into how the Nuggets played the Warriors and how we can extrapolate that out to the rest of the season. And uh, we'll do that on the other side of the break. Okay, you know, it was... When you saw looked at the Nuggets last night and how they were basically boat racing the uh, the Warriors in the first half, you saw something that it was Michael Malone's ideal. Um, he wants the team to clamp down and score, which isn't always possible. Um, and what you saw in the second half was the other side of that equation. Um, you can run a bunch of high-energy stoppers out there, but unless you're running it, and the Nuggets don't exactly play fast, but unless you are running at an absolutely, you know, 
1999 Miami Heat pace, uh, it is going to be very, very difficult to sustain, as you see with any Thibodeau coach team. It's going to be really hard to sustain any sort of success during a game. You've got to learn to pace yourself. Uh, Michael Malone's uh, idea to compensate is not a bad one because this roster right now is deficient when it comes to talent with Gordon out too. That's three of your quote-unquote big four right there. Um, so he's having to max out with defensive effort in the first half of games in order to survive the rest of the game. Uh, that will work for a bit, but it will come up to, to, to bite you because it, you just lose steam. Um, they're really relying on Nikola Jokic to a almost extreme sense right now like the Warriors were doing with Steph last year, although Steph doesn't get beat up the way Nicole Hilkich does. So well, it is just kind of a precarious stew. There's there's 17 and 16 right now. The as I as I was said in the podcast a few weeks ago where I was giving you hopium, um the Nuggets of uh 2013, 12-13 started the year 17 and 15 and ended up with 57 wins. Uh, they went uh, they went forty and ten for the rest of the season, and really started off that really big um, cut. I think it it really began in January, where they had a whole bunch of home games. The schedule really lightened up for them, and things got easier. Well, it's not as extreme as twenty twelve thirteen, but this Nuggets team is going to be coming into a portion of their schedule as of January. That's going to be a lot easier. Um, the Nuggets have played far more road games and home games this year so far. Uh, and they've played 33 games so far. And it'll get better on the flip side. So how the schedule rebalances is really going to be the key. That is really what is going to get the Nuggets through this. Not any real adjustment by Ballone, because we've already seen what his, his, his idea is. Max out at the first half, survive in the second half. It's been too consistent over the last several, um, well, couple weeks, at least since Gordon has been out. So at least you're looking at a solid week to where that, that, that is what he's going to do. And that's not a criticism. I mean, sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. Uh, and they're really relying on uh, this kind of to get them through, the max out, survive. And it's harder to do at home, believe it or not. You saw it against Charlotte where they just ran out of gas. Um, happened again last night. They ran out of gas. They scored 21, 29 points in the second half, and you could tell they were tired. Um, it is hard to sustain that effort for uh, 40 minutes. Um, it is hard to get that much, or 48 minutes, it's hard to get that much effort from everyone kind of working in unison like that, like I said, unless you're playing at an ungodly slow rate. Um, so how are the Nuggets going to be able to do this? Well, they could probably get away with playing that way for another two weeks or so, but it'll catch up with them. It'll catch up with them. And here's here's where the Nuggets have been having some fortunate 
uh, luck is that the when they were they were supposed to play, they had that game postponed against Brooklyn. And obviously then they get lose to the, the Thunder and then they lose to the, the Hornets. But they had rest in between uh, their between games there. And then they've had a little more rest here. So the Nuggets have actually kind of uh, come back to a good place as far as rest goes. And that has kind of helped them sustain this. But it's going to, the, the Nuggets are going to need to survive until Jamal gets back. And honestly, I've said this over and over. Relying on Jamal Murray to be your savior is, savior is not going to be something that is going to work the way you think it will. Um, Jamal's a hard worker. This has nothing to do with Jamal. It has to just do with the human body. And the ACL injuries tend to result in, one, rebound injuries on the other knee. And, and two, it takes guys a while to get the speed of the game back. They don't just come back and, and are amazing. Sometimes they will come back in the first game and they look great. Um, but usually by the second half of the game, they start missing shots. And it becomes a process for them to get mentally back into the, the correct place. And if you're talking February, March, April, whenever Jamal gets back, um, just don't count on Jamal to be the guy that uh, is the savior. Because that's, that's really not what the Nuggets are looking for. In a large sense, Jamal coming back helps the Nuggets with their rotation. And it's, at least it's going to how, how it's going to have to be this year. Jamal's return is a rotation saver. And that rotation save, uh, savior is a lot of the Nuggets' issues. Um, since they don't have MPJ... And the stagger isn't something that will really work with the players the Nuggets have currently on the roster. You've got to kind of just muddle through, and these bench units are going to be going to be bad. These bench units are going to be have stretches where they're terrible. The starting unit's going to have stretches where it's terrible. Does the mix the mix and match capability has just been hindered with so many guys out? So. What Jamal will do is kind of even things out. And a lot of that is, is I mean, you may be rolling your eyes while listening to this, but I'm, I'm, let me tell you something. A lot of that is uh, in, integral to a functioning team. you got to have NBA players like certainty, and the Nuggets don't have much of it because they don't have a lot of bodies. So I'm looking at that for the rest of the year. Them relying on the schedule, lightening up, and the Jamal getting back whenever he gets back. I don't look to the and the reason I brought up the trade line Ted line in the first part is that I don't see the Nuggets having the ability to trade something right now in order to improve their roster without um you know being maybe a third team in a trade where you get an ancillary piece. I mean, that's the most I can see the Nuggets even contemplating right now, but I don't even think they're doing that. It's just they're kind of stuck. So we really need this team to be good as far as getting better, more comfortable with each other. Malone will eventually have to trade the go, you know, the go out all out in the first half to survive the second half gambit. He's going to have to trade that eventually in for more consistently, more of an even approach. Because you're going to give up buckets and points allowed doesn't necessarily equal defense. 
Um, and that is something that I have said over and over again. So anyway, folks, uh, that is this is the last uh, Mortcast of 2021. Thank you all for joining me on this one. And I will be back in January of 2022 with another episode. See you later.